Welcome to the Sword and Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. And we're delighted to be coming to you again from Cape Coral, Florida. And I'm here today with my good friend, Joel Beakey, all the way from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, Joel, welcome to the Sword and the Trowel. Great to be with you, Tom. Delighted to have you down here and to, for you to give a few minutes of your time to come and be a part of the Sword and the Trial podcast. We do these podcasts weekly, and people tune in to just hear different things that are on our hearts and minds. We try to produce content that's beneficial. And one of the things that uh, you and I talked about a while back that is just stuck in my mind is the various ministries that you're involved in, but the one ministry in particular of Reformation Heritage Books. And uh, to hear your passion about that and then to learn the backstory of how it got started, it's just captivated uh, my thoughts, and I wanted other people to hear it as well. But before we get into that, uh, you are a pastor of the Heritage Netherlands Congregation in Grand Rapids, right? Heritage Reformed. Heritage Reformed. And that's you've been doing that 36 years yes. almost, right? Yep. Something like that. And then you founded the Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, Correct. With my denomination. Okay, yep. <laughs> so you've been first president and yep. you're still a professor there. Uh, you have published over 100 books. Do you know how many books you've written and edited? Oh, I, yeah. It's, yeah, writing is over 100, and then editing is, yeah, well over 100 as well. As well. I, I, I love books. Okay, I, yeah. So uh, that love of books led you to begin what became the... Uh, uh, Heritage Reformation publications or press, right. Right? right? So tell us about that. I'm just intrigued by that. I mean, because that started when you were just a teenager, right? Right, right. Well, what happened was I, Tom, I came under just incredibly deep, profound conviction of sin when I was 14 years old and couldn't find the gospel. And uh, I raided my dad's bookcase, and my dad said, that I could write in all the books, um, which I did. I marked them up. I, I read every night. I read through the whole Bible uh, a couple times that year, but just couldn't find peace. And I read through his Puritan books in his bookcase, all those old Banner Truth mm-hmm. paperbacks. Mm-hmm. I read through them all, marked them up. And um, God used them and a new pastor who was coming to town to... Um, to really lead me to liberty in Christ. And I had this uh, overwhelming experience one night where um, God set me free. But a lot of it in the background that led up to it was reading the Puritan books. Uh, the Puritans gave me so much comfort, so much insight. They spoke so to my soul. And uh, when I was set free that night, even though I didn't know the terms yet, active and passive obedience of Christ, I saw very clearly Christ's double obedience and how it was imputed to me and uh, how he became my righteousness. And I felt just exactly like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, the burden rolled off my back into the empty sepulcher. I was overwhelmed with joy, and I, I, I came down at 3.30 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I just kept weeping. I got my dad out of bed and told him, I'm saved. I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. And he wanted to know how, of course. And um, so I told him everything. And but then it was a few months after that that I um, I felt that these books had been so helpful for me that I needed to, to to spread them to others. And so 
Our church did not have at that time a church library. So I went to the elders and I asked them if I could start a church library. And they kind of discouraged me, but um, they wouldn't refuse it. But they said three elders have to approve every single book that would be put in the library. So I said, okay. So I made a list of 100 books and um, they approved eight. And <laughs> I started a library with eight books with, with three <laughs> card catalogs, uh, you know, subject, <laughs> title, my author. And uh, made, I made a really big deal of it. It was very, very important to me. And then by the time a few people started reading a few of those books, the one elder who was dragging his feet approving them, you know, I pestered him. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up accepting all 100. So um, they, they didn't have a separate fund for it. So I actually took my life savings, believe it or not, which was about $600. And I, I just drew it all out of the bank. I bought all 100 myself. And I, um, I put them on my pastor's um, front doorstep and rang the doorbell and, and walked away. I, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like he wouldn't <laughs> figure out who was doing it. But anyway, so he, he said, yes, you can put all these now in the library, which I did. And then um, people started reading them, and quite a few people, actually. And uh, a few people got converted by them. Mm. It just moved me to tears. And, um, and this is going to sound terribly mystical and strange, but I'll tell you just what happened. I, I had a dream one night, and when I woke up from the dream, I just realized what I dreamt, that I saw a piece of paper with... Um, a return address that said Bible Truth Books, and then it said Alexander, comma Archibald, thoughts on religious experience, retail price twelve dollars, our price nine dollars. And when I woke up, I said, "I've got to take this beyond the church. I've got to, I've got to take it out into society and to other churches, and we've got to sell these good old Puritan books and so on." And so. I, um, I went to the consistory again. I asked him if I could start a, a book company called Bible Truth Books, nonprofit, and if I could sell them, you know, like 30% discount or so. And he said, well, you know, there's a man in Grand Rapids who owns a business who's selling books, and uh, we don't want you to compete with him, so you have to get permission from him first. If you get permission from him and the elders approve all the books you carry, you can. I said, thank you very much. I took my brother up with me to Grand Rapids, just a 50-minute ride, and um, we got out in front of the guy's house, and uh, I had no idea if this man was 30 years old or 90 years old. Well, it proved to be he was like 85, and he had long, snowy white hair, and we walked in, and he, had, he didn't understand why we were coming. We explained it all, and finally he got the message, and he said, you mean you boys want to start a book company? You want to sell the old biblical reform Puritan books? Like, yes, sir, I said, to the whole world. He said, the whole world is yours. <laughs> he threw his hands and we looked at each other. We, we had just been in front of his house crying and weeping that he would say yes, thinking he'd say no. Yeah. And the answer was just so overwhelming. We went back out in the car and we just thanked the Lord and we were both weeping we have permission to do this. And so the first book list was one sheet of paper <laughs> on both sides, about, about 12 books. Anyway, 
It was Post Office Box 2373, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Bible Truth Books. I would go to the post office every day and um, pray at the curbside that there be at least one order. (laughs) (laughs) I was thankful for every order. And, um, yeah, that's how we began. And um, by the time I was accepted for the ministry in the the denomination I was um, in uh, when I was 21, so I started when I was 16, in those five years, it built up to maybe seventy-five to hundred thousand dollars of sales a year. So not not really very much, but it was substantive. And every Saturday night, we would um, get all the young people of the church together and fill the orders. Mm. So I had free labor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, when I was twenty-one years old, I turned it over to my brother. He turned it over to somebody else. And actually, Bible Truth Books is still going today. But then when I was 25 and I was ordained, uh, I was made um, pastor, or a president rather, of the denominations book ministry because they saw my love for books. And um, that was selling about $10,000 a year. And I, I put my whole heart into that. And then we had this very unfortunate, sad split in the denomination. And uh, they kept they kept all the books, that was when I was, um, that was in 1993. So by that time I was about 40 years old. I had built it up to, to well over $100,000 of sales per year. But then I felt um, I had to start all over. Mm. But this time I said, well, I'm not going to tie it again to a denomination, never know what will happen. I'm gonna have an independent board, interdenominational board, just the people who love solid reformed experiential literature. And so then I began what was called Reformation Heritage Books. And you know that we started completely from scratch. And uh, so that's been going uh, almost 30 years now, 20, 28, 29 years. And um, now it's become an organization with millions of dollars of sales every year and it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I love it. Yeah. And um, I still approve every book that we carry. We carry 7,700 titles now. We do 40 of our own publications. So we carry books from about 70 different publishers. Mm. And um, we cherry pick each publisher, what we think is the really good reformed Puritan type stuff mm-hmm. that will really benefit God's people and a lot of evangelistic books, a lot of books for children, specializing books for children. And um, now we have, I don't know, 20 some employees, I would say. And it's just, we bought a building of uh, 44,000 square feet last year. And by the grace of God, God's people came forward. Because we're nonprofit, we really never have money to, right. to buy a building, but they paid for the whole building. And now we have commitments to um, to do a lot of publications. Now everything is worked on a very professional level. We have scheduling up years ahead of time for books, and um, we have meetings once a month. We usually get between 20 to 30, sometimes 40 manuscripts per month from people around the world, mm. so more than one a day. Wow. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, it's just a very, very busy ministry now. And so I have become board, chairman of the board now, and David Woolen's become the oh, CEO, okay. and uh, things are ramping up 
under his um, his expansion efforts. He's very visionary, and we're really excited about the future of RHB. Reformation Heritage Books has been one of the most pleasant experiences of my entire life mm-hmm. because books don't talk back to you like people do. <laughs> <laughs> people are just grateful they get books, yeah. and uh, it's just such a joyous ministry. And uh, God has blessed it to many, many people. So now we have about 100,000 customers, but I think a few years from now, these numbers are going up dramatically every year. Mm, And um, yeah, it's just a wonderful ministry. How many books do you think that uh, you've actually distributed? Any guesswork on that or? I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, whatever probably $100 million worth would be. Mm. But it's, it's been a lot of books, yeah. yeah. What was so the first book you did? The first book that we published was Robert Hawker's uh, The Poor Man's mm. Daily Portion. Yeah, and we just reprinted that. it for the fifth time. Did you? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so Christ-centered as a daily yeah. devotional. Yeah, that was I the first remember, book. I remember getting that, I think, with the first print. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Ugly purple cover. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So you've you've got seventy titles that RHB has produced, and then you have no forty titles a year we produce. Oh, forty titles yeah, a year. Yeah. You so produce. we we've printed we've done maybe I don't know close to a thousand titles okay, a thousand ourselves. Times. All right. But um, and of course these get the primary advertising. Sure. And then on the side we have these other seven thousand plus books mm-hmm. that we carry from these seventy publishers. Mm-hmm. And um, they get little spots in our catalogs, and mm-hmm. um, and we advertise them. We send out two email blasts a week now to about a hundred thousand customers, and um, those do very very well. Yeah. And then we only, we've gone down to just one or two catalogs a year, because to do a catalog, and send it out, is like thirty thousand, forty thousand a shot right. with all the postage and all the printing, and we find that. If we can just get people's emails, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, and we just and we just put maybe six to eight titles up on each email blast, and always include the first the first entry is always a new title, most of, most of them that we do, mm-hmm. and then we do related titles underneath it from mm-hmm. other publishers, and that seems to work really well. Yeah, I'm on your your email list. I'm okay. always glad to get them and see that, and we'll uh, link to that too, so people can sign up when they go to the notes of this show. Um, one of the first things I did, one of the best things I did when I became pastor of this church here in Cape Coral was to start a, a book stall and just mm. my, bought books out of my own pocket to make available to our people. Great. And it was just a helpful thing. And I, I know churches today, I, every once in a while, we'll get calls from pastors saying, you know, how do we start uh, a book stall or a book oh. room or something? Do you all have anything that you help churches do that? Yes. Well, we help them with prices. So... What we say is, on your first order, we will give you wholesale prices to get you going, and um, we are we're really dedicated to doing that because that's a big part of my past. And so, yeah, I love it when we get a new order from a church of three, four thousand dollars worth, and they're starting a library and they get half off. You know, yeah. it's great. 
That's really great. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing. If you haven't done that or your church doesn't have a library or a, a book room where people can buy books, it was one of the most helpful things early in the years here to have books that I had vetted that people could say, okay, well, the pastor trusts these books. And you just get books that are helpful to them, and they learn to read, and they learn to trust you and your recommendations, and it just feeds on itself. Yeah, so what I did in my church, Tom, was I did two things. First, I got the elders to agree to put bookcases all over the church, and people can take the book. We put an envelope in it uh, of of what we expect, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what, what they need to to pay for the book. We call it suggested donation price. They take it home with them and then they just send it in during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people send it in. A few people maybe help themselves to a free book, but that's okay. Yeah. And um, the bookcases are all over the church, so you can't miss it even if you're a visitor, <laughs> uh, which is which is great. And then the second thing I did from get-go was uh, when I came to the church 36 years ago, they were not a reading church at all. And uh, maybe handful of individuals out of a thousand people are reading. And so I talked to the elders and they agreed that when I taught a midweek class and then they had, we at that time we had 300 people coming to that class. I could offer uh, every six weeks a book that I would strongly recommend. And, um, and then the church would buy that number from, um, from, from the publisher or from, um, uh, the, the denominational effort. And so the first thing I did was I started with J.C. Ryle's seven volumes on expository thoughts on the Gospels. And I'll never forget the first night I did that. I had a clipboard, and um, 155 families signed up for that set. Wow. And, um, you know, that's quite an investment. But I picked Ryle particularly because he's so simple and yet so edifying. Mm-hmm. I thought if I could get them reading, it was always a gateway to family worship as well. They'd read seven or eight verses, and then they could read one or two thoughts a night. Maybe one passage is like six pages. Maybe take two nights and read it together aloud as a family. And that did so much in the congregation. Wherever I would visit, people would have that book open. I could see it, and they would talk to me about it. And then we just went every six weeks. We offered one more book, and... um, always more than 100 people signed up for it. And so I, I helped the people um, build their library, their own personal libraries this way. Yeah, that's wonderful. One, one thing that we have done here is periodically on Wednesday night or in our members' meetings, we'll give away a couple of books. Mm. And so we'll just ask people to maybe answer questions or if they know anything about the author or the subject, give them away. And sometimes we'll give away two or three and say, you take this, but you get two or three people to read it with you, you know, so that you have a little group together and it just gets people reading and they're communicating with each other. It's been a wonderful discipleship tool. That's right. That's good. Yeah. And one more thing we do too along those lines is we, we have one giveaway book, which I pick out per year to the whole congregation. Mm. And then we encourage the people to talk about it together. Yeah. Now this year, for example, we did Hawker and uh, we in that book that we published first, well, we reprinted it. And what we did with that book was something different. We were putting a little clip from Hawker in every bulletin every week. Mm. And we're asking people to um, read every day to read the same portion so they can talk about it when they're at church and you know, mm. try to promote more spiritual conversation. Yeah. And um, it's hard to say how many people are doing that, but 
we're trying to encourage people to read the same things and then fellowship about it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, Reformation Heritage Books has certainly been impactful on my life and this congregation, and that's true of people around the world. And we're grateful that the Lord gave you a vision for that and a determination to pursue it. And look at the fruit, and who knows? Yeah, now we're getting into documentaries as well to help as on-ramps, like the Puritan documentary yeah. to help people getting, and we're doing one right now, a movie on re- revivals mm. um, that will be coming out Wonderful. shortly. And that will hopefully get people to read those great men who were in the midst of revival and things yeah. like that. Oh, that's a great, great idea. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate all you're doing in your ministry and appreciate your fellowship and friendship too. Thanks for joining us on The Sword and the Trial. We especially want to thank our Founders Alliance members that support us monthly to enable us to continue to produce content like this. If you'd like to know more about Founders, just go to founders.org, or you can contact us directly through that website by sending us an email. We'll be glad to try to answer any questions that you have. Thanks again for joining us.